faithwire.com. The verdict is in in the Ahmad Arbery murder case. Today is Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have this top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faith Wire. I want to welcome in everyone from CBN's Daily Rundown. We're here every Wednesday with you all. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. You can find us on iTunes, the 4 and 3 podcast. We're here Monday through Friday. Not this week. It's Thanksgiving week, obviously, but... Joining me today, as always, Trey Goins Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire. What's going on, fellas? Doing well. Hey, you know, I mean, it's Wednesday, Friday, so it's a good day. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> that's right. It's Wednesday, Friday, and we're all about to eat and stuff our yeah. faces tomorrow. What's what's your uh, number one Thanksgiving? What's the part you like about the Thanksgiving meal the most? Which thing are you diving in oh, man. and Everything. like diving over the table and knocking on what everyone else over for to get? Everything. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for stuffing. I love stuffing, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though it's like the simplest thing, but it's so good. No, it why is. do we not eat it all year? I round? don't know. Every um, Thanksgiving, I say the same thing. I'm like, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and actually, Jedediah Bila, who we just had on, she posted mm-hmm. on Twitter the other day that she was worried she was going to overcook her turkey. And I said, it doesn't matter because you just dump more stuffing and gravy on it and it's fine. Right, exactly. It yeah. makes yeah. the turkey completely fine. I don't know. The turkey's got to be done well, and it's got to be, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, if it was dry I, to a crisp, well, then it's no good. But, I mean, if it's a little dry, you just dump some gravy <laughs> no, on there. No, it's, it's fine. It's, no, it's unacceptable. And, and I'll tell you you're that turning it. Think, you're telling me you're turning it down? You're turning down uh, a yeah, slightly oh, dry turning, turkey? I'm turning down a charred turkey that is like rubber. Absolutely. I'm not and saying guys, a charred turkey. I, I just want to address the fact that you guys are literally <laughs> advocating for just crumpled up bread. Like that's what that is what you're saying is the best thing at Thanksgiving. You, wait a minute, you are just killing my Thanksgiving Seriously. vibe. Billy. Wait a minute, I love it all, and you but you don't like stuffing. I mean, I don't dislike stuffing, but I think <laughs> it's it's sort of like one of those strange things where you say the best part of the meal is the, the simplest worst part. I just don't really get it, but whatever. Teach teach their own. I mean, somebody needs to chat. I mean, are there charges we can file against you for this for these right. takes on Thanksgiving on stuffing? This is crazy. Yeah, Thanksgiving Eve, and you're just the, gr- the Grinch who stole Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. I but. also love pumpkin pie, if that counts for anything. Yeah. Um, no, it, do- so, it doesn't. No. Oh, okay. Well, you know, who are you? I like, anyway? I like yeah. it too. I'm kidding. I, I All like right. It. So, aside from uh, your eating habits, guys, what do we have coming up for the pod today? Okay. So, so <laughs> I'm going to talk. I I should say one other thing, and this is this ties into my story. So we're going to talk about Rhett Walker, a Christian recording artist. He told me, he said that if his parents had just put uh, everything into a casserole growing up, he said, I'm not going to eat broccoli, but if you give me a broccoli casserole, <laughs> right. he said, why didn't, why didn't our parents catch onto this sooner? Just put every vegetable in a casserole and then <laughs> right. I'll eat it. Yeah. Um, so, but this is a super cool story and I haven't seen it really anywhere, but he opened up about his and his wife's decision not to have an abortion when they were both 17 and they got pregnant outside of marriage and they they had an abortion scheduled. It was on the table and he said he just felt the Holy Spirit leading him to call his wife and to say, you can't do this. We're going to be responsible. We're going to keep this child. So just a really, really uh, incredible story of, of faith and obedience to God there. Mm. Mm. Well, we're also going to be talking about what Americans believe when it comes to heaven and hell and how you get to heaven. And I'm not going to spoil it because we're going to we're going to dive into it. But there's some interesting developments and findings there. 
Does any of it have to do with your thoughts on stuffing? Like, if you're not getting in, if well, you don't like that's stuff? That's a surefire way not to get in if you like it. So that's your favorite meal. All right. All right, here we go. Let's start a more serious topic here. Um, uh, the jury in the Ahmad Arbery trial has come in with a verdict, and they found all three men guilty of killing Ahmad Arbery. And so... Um, this is our top story, and here are the details. A Georgia jury has convicted three men of murder in the death of Ahmad Arbery. Travis McMichael, who was the one who fatally shot him in February of 2020, he was convicted on all nine charges, including malice murder and four counts of felony murder. Uh, his father, Gregory McMichael, who's 65, was found not guilty of the malice murder, but was convicted on the remaining charges, including uh, felony murder counts. Um, their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, who's 53, he was found guilty of three of the felony murder counts, as well as charges of aggravated assault with his pickup truck, false imprisonment, and criminal intent to commit a felony. So, um, Arbery's father, actually in the, in the courtroom there, um, he shouted out, long time coming when the verdicts were read, and he was actually told to leave the court then after that. Um, there was a big cheer from a large crowd of protesters outside. Uh, who obviously agreed with that verdict. Uh, and the defendants just kind of were uh, no emotionless on their face as the verdicts were read. Um, perhaps they had a fear that that was coming. They had pleaded not guilty to all nine counts on the state indictment. Uh, and so they all face a maximum sentence of life in prison. And, uh, and so... This was uh, all based on the uh, shooting that unfolded on February 23rd, 2020 uh, in a neighborhood after Arbery, um, who prosecutors claim was just out. They say he was out for a jog. The uh, defendants there had spotted him running and, and um, a neighbor before that saw him in a house kind of looking around at this house that was under construction. And so they then took it upon themselves to chase him down because as he was running through the neighborhood and then an altercation ensued as they cornered him with the pickup truck uh, and ended up shooting him and then tried to claim self-defense after that. So um, so obviously a tragic story, guys. And why does it matter? Well, obviously, we know the nation's on edge on all of these cases. I mean, you'd hope that as with the Kyle Rittenhouse case, that the law is followed, and we're not basing this on mob rule or emotion. But in this case, having watched it closely, guys, I mean, it sure looked like they were clearly in the wrong here. And um, when you watch Arbery's actions, there's just, you know, he was chased down by a truck. If you're if you're jogging, I mean, he had nothing on him. He was jogging. And if you're running down the street and someone chases you in a truck and they jump out with guns, I mean, you know, because on the video, which is horrifying, he after that happens and he realizes he's not going to be able to get away, he turns to try to fight the guy. And, um, which is a reasonable, I think reaction to have when somebody just shows up out of nowhere with a gun and a pickup truck on you. So, um, just a tragic situation all the way around. And, um, you know, regardless of what, or whatever he was doing, walking around a construction site, which again, I thought was such a weak argument because I mean, I used to, just a couple years ago in a neighborhood I lived in, there was, new houses coming up all the time and we'd walk around and go walk around in the construction house because it's interesting to look at houses that are being built you know uh so i don't know um it's it's a tough one because it's tragic but at the same time it looks like the correct uh decision was reached 
It does. And I think that hopefully now there can be some peace, at least in justice for the families. Right. And I yeah. know that saying that over oversimplifies because the amount of loss and the pain, it's not going to just obviously go away, but at least there's been some semblance of, of justice doled out here. And, and maybe the country can sort of calm down and sit down and maybe approach more of a position and a posture of being able to talk through these things. I think we've really struggled with that um, as a country, we've really struggled to come to a place where we can say, let's have a conversation about these difficult issues without emotion overtaking it. And so I think this is going to give that piece to maybe hopefully help some of that happen. Yeah, and I think so often with stories like these, whether it's Kyle Rittenhouse or Ahmaud Arbery, the um, knee-jerk reaction in our social media age is to forget that these are are human beings and they're not Twitter trends. Mm. Uh, they're not just topics that we can lob back and forth and uh, and use as political missiles against one another. Uh, these are, are are actual people who have had you know awful things happen to them. Obviously, for Ahmad Arbery, his family is grieving a really awful situation. Kyle Rittenhouse going through a trial and 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 all of that being so so politicized and kind of removed from the justice system altogether and just made uh, into into this political football so there's uh, there's just all kinds of 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 stuff i think that that drowns out the humanity of it all uh, and as believers I, I hope that we can we can look and we can see like both of y'all have said that it seems like the right thing happened with the Samad Arbor case. It's a tragic situation that never should have unfolded, uh, but it did. And on this side of eternity, you know, we, we do justice as best we can. And as believers, we rest in the assurance that uh, justice ultimately uh, is God's uh, and that will be dealt with in eternity uh, in a way much more sufficient than we ever can. So I think it's just an opportunity and a good reminder after seeing this verdict for us as believers to know, let's prioritize praying for these people, uh, praying for the uh, Ahmad Arbery's family and loved ones who are just dealing with, with a lot of emotions at this point. Yeah. And also praying for those responsible because I yeah. think, and, and yes. for their families, because I think, you know, we often forget, well, why would I offer that person prayer? You know, Jesus is like feed, clothe, care for, and pray for the people who, you know, hate you and persecute you. And so no matter who it is, everybody is deserving of, of prayer and hopefully heart change and recognition that, that this is horrific and wrong. Mm, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right, let's yeah, head into sure. uh, story number two. All right, so anybody who has uh, followed the podcast for uh, any any amount of time knows that I there's always a Christmas angle. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, for, <laughs> for me. Uh, so the reason that we were talking with Rhett Walker, the Christian recording artist, is because he has a new song out. He did his own rendition of... Um, uh, of all I want for Christmas is you, the obviously the Mariah Carey song. And he said, you know, some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love it. He said, just don't come after me if you don't like the song. He said, I love it. And I wanted to do it, my own version of it. He said, I guess I'm the country Mariah Carey now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> what he told us. And I was, I was like, well, yeah, maybe, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's a cool cover. Uh, and he has a whole bunch of pictures of he and his wife and their kids. Uh, it's just a, a really a digital scrapbook uh, over the years of their 17 years of marriage. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a cool video. Definitely check that out. It'll be on faithwire.com here shortly. Um, but I want to get into a few of the things he told us in our conversation. That's where we'll start. Number one with the details. Uh, so 
this is something he hasn't really talked about uh, very much. Uh, he grew up as a, a pastor's kid, and he said, I grew up in that glass house of everybody looking at me and watching me. And he said, and I made uh, quite a few mistakes uh, over the years. Uh, so he, 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 he struggled a lot. But then as a teenager, he started dating his now wife, April. Uh, but at 17, she got pregnant, mm. uh, and she was considering abortion. She even had an appointment scheduled, he told us. Uh, and that, you know, it was on the table and it was something that they were seriously considering and she was heading to do. And he said that I asked him, well, was there some moment? Uh, obviously they ended up changing their mind and they now have a 16 year old daughter. Her name is Riley. Uh, I said, what was it that, that changed your mind? Was there, there some instant when God just like intervened? And he said, you know, I don't really have a spiritual answer, even though I've been asked this question a million times. He said, the only thing that I can say now in retrospect is that I know that the Holy Spirit must have led me to say those words. You've got to trust me. He said, I was talking to to his girlfriend, like I said, now wife. Uh, he said, and I just told her, you've got to trust me, but I do not have a plan. Um, so, uh, they ended up keeping the child because he said in that moment, he knew that, uh, that not going through with the abortion, carrying their child to term was quote, the only option uh, available to them. And looking back, he said, uh, you know, the, a lot of it has to do with the pressure from our culture, right? Like there was this, uh, it was the knee jerk, uh, reaction that everybody know well, if you have, if you get pregnant that young and it wasn't intended, you didn't plan it you can just go ahead and abort it. Uh, and he said, with our culture, we're all selfish. We're inclined to selfishness. The world says abortion would have been the easier option. Just keep dating. Don't be parents yet. He said, but I can't imagine my life without Riley, our 16-year-old. And I can't imagine where me and April would be if we wouldn't have walked that hard road. Uh, so in hindsight, he said, God takes the mess ups and he goes, just watch what I'm going to do with this story. Uh, number two here, another thing he said is uh, to see what God has done in our lives and to see how he's positioned us now into spots we dreamed about when we were 17. I really only believe we are here and walking this path because me and April were faithful, even when it was scary. We're just flawed individuals and we're screwed up and, or, and we screwed it up and we will again, but we fight for each other and we love each other. And that's what's most important. And Jesus is at the center he said, we put our eyes on Jesus and we've been walking that way ever since. And this is another thing, guys, I thought was really cool. Um, he talked about how their relationship has evolved over the years, he and his wife, April. Uh, and he said the the thing that has been most significant in protecting their marriage is that they date each other, uh, is what he said. Every night they, they hang out together. He said, we have date night every night. Uh, we watch a show, uh, or even if we just go out on our back porch and sit and, and have a have a, a cup of tea or you know, something like that and just dream together. He said, that's how we have kept our romance alive. Uh, and he said he wants to pass that down to his kids as well. He said, I've got two daughters and two sons. I want my daughter's expectations to be through the roof. I want them to go, I saw daddy bring home mama this or treat her like this or the way dad would hold her hand and dote over her. I want that to be their expectations. And I want my sons to be able to look uh, for that in a relationship from their mom's perspective. And I think that's why it matters, right? And he said, that's ultimately what, what matters to him. They now have four kids. And he said, I'm not going to get everything right all the time. My wife and I aren't going to get everything right. But we want to be transparent because our kids are watching. Mm. 
And we want to set an example of faithfulness and obedience to God, even if we kind of struggle along the way and we don't get it right. We stumble sometimes. He said, but I want our kids to see us striving towards faithfulness. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great perspective to have. I mean, what a wonderful story. I had not heard that story at all before. And, you know, they were yeah. that she had because he'd mentioned in your interview, Trey, which was an interesting fact that. They had only been dating a couple months when that happened. Yes, yeah. And they were both in high school. So to make that decision um, is, you know, pretty courageous on on their part. You know, she was obviously afraid having scheduled to terminate. And, um, you know, they ended up just faithfully trusting that it would be all right. And uh, it ended up being that way. And that's, I mean, it's easy to look back at that now and say, oh, yeah, sure. But I'm sure they were terrified. I mean, you remember high school. It's like everything is amplified, even just little things. So actually having something actually life-changing happen is, uh, I, I can only imagine the level of intensity there. So, um, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely a, a positive story there that they, to see the end of that. Yeah. And I want to jump in too, to say to your point before, uh, I get your thoughts, Billy is, um, he said they had only, like he said, Dan had only been dating for two months. He said, we were babies having a baby. Uh, and he said, I had to drop out of school for my senior year. He didn't go. And he said, uh, I was uh, homeschooled essentially for my senior year, except for, he said, my wife was doing all the work. <laughs> he <laughs> said, I had my wife do my homework for my senior year so that I could get my GED. He said, and I went and actually got a job and started making money to save for our kid. Uh, so, you know, the, it was really rough and difficult times at the beginning, uh, but they've, they've been rewarded by seeing God's blessing in their life. Now, like I said, with four kids uh, and he credits all of that, both of them credit all that to that one decision to be obedient and step into the dark when they had no idea what was coming. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's so important to me to sort of point out what you said, Dan, which is that word trust. I think it all boils down to that. As humans, we often will make a mistake, we'll have an error that will come, and our, our go-to solution is to do the thing that makes it the least painful for us individually, right? That's sort of the, the quick, you know, selfish human solution. And in this case, Obviously, there was conviction there, and they knew that they that wasn't the right thing to do, and they trusted. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy. Just like you were saying, Trey, they had to, you know, he had to basically drop out and then go get a job, and she's doing his work, and he's trying to get his GED. And, you know, but you look, you look back at that, and you say, wow, you know, when you trust, God is going to bring you through where you're supposed to be. And I know that that's easier said than done, but... You know, so many times in my life, I've experienced that too, where I'm just like, okay, God, I'm going to trust. This is not making sense. And then later on, you know, you see the fruits of that, of that trust. So to me, that's the big, the big takeaway there. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's head into uh, story uh, number three. All right, so the Pew Research Center, well-respected, well-known research organization, is out with a new compelling analysis of what Americans believe on a slew of spiritual things. And I want to start with a couple of the sort of positive, to a degree, um, elements that, that they found in this recent survey. They found that 58% of Americans believe in God as God is described in the Bible, okay? So when they're asked about, do you believe in God? So that's almost 6 in 10. Now, you'd love to see that proportion be higher and we could have a whole debate about whether or not those people are nominal or not but 58% looking at scripture seeing scripture as you know the description of god as the way that it truly is now 
91% of Americans are believers in quotes. They believe in a God of some sort. Um, and so when, when there's this narrative, now, of course, we'd love to see those people all believe in, in Christianity and faith in Christ. But but there's this narrative out there that the entirety of the country is is atheistic and we're just moving towards that. We, we definitely are moving towards relativism and that is a problem. The idea that there's no truth, there's just your truth and my truth and anybody can believe what they want. But the fact that 91% of the country is not atheistic is a real opportunity for us. Now, I want to pause there and I want to move into the more compelling information, which is what Americans believe about heaven and hell, Hmm. because that part of the survey really stood out to me for a lot of reasons. 73% of Americans believe in heaven and 62%, so a little lower, believe in hell. And that just made me laugh. It's just like, yeah, of course you believe in the good, but you don't want to believe (laughs) that there's any kind of penalty. But Again, over 6 in 10, more than 6 in 10 Americans believing in hell and more than 7 in 10 believing in heaven. Now, when you start to dig into this, though, I also found it interesting, 17% don't believe in an afterlife at all. That actually is a little high, right? Because there are people who believe then in God based on the numbers we've seen, but maybe they don't believe that there's an afterlife. Mm. Um, That's almost one in five Americans saying that they don't believe in an afterlife. Now, you start to go in, and this is what I love about Pew. They always do an amazing job of breaking down the different cohorts. And you know, how do you get to heaven? That's the key question. As, as Christians, we know what Scripture tells us. You can go to John 3. You can go throughout the entirety of the New Testament. It's pretty clear that, that faith in Christ is what the Bible tells us, and, and a life lived in that vein, that is, that is what you know guarantees you salvation, essentially, living that out. Now, I want to read a couple more stats. 39% of Americans believe someone who doesn't believe in God can go to heaven. So almost 40% of the country believe that an atheist could go to heaven. And then 32% say that such a person cannot go to heaven. So there are more Americans now who believe that, hey, it doesn't really matter. You could say you don't believe in God and you could still make your way to heaven. But but here are the two groups I want to I want to highlight here. And then we'll pull back and and talk about it. You have evangelicals and Catholics, and they both stand out. Um, We'll start with Catholics. 68% of Catholics, according to this Pew Research, and by the way, this is like 6,500 people they surveyed, so it wasn't a small sample size. 68% of Catholics believe that a person who does not believe in God can go to heaven. 20% believe that you can't go to heaven if you don't believe in God. So that was the that was the biggest proportion of people out of all the groups saying, hey, you know what? You can go to heaven still if you don't believe. And then it was flipped for evangelicals. 71% of evangelicals, and it, this was the most recorded out of any of the Christian cohorts, believe that you cannot go to heaven if you don't believe in God. And so that really stuck out to me because I don't know why. I don't know who these 21% are, <laughs> even in the evangelical camp, who, who say that you can go to heaven without believing in God because Scripture is pretty solid on that. So I don't know what you guys think, but I'd, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I mean, my first reaction is those 21% uh, have never picked up a Bible. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, as you mentioned in there, I mean, it, I mean, it, and it also, maybe they failed logics test too. I mean, it just seems illogical, you know, that, I mean, I guess, like you said, they wouldn't believe, they would believe, I, I'm not seeing the logical path to getting to no belief in God to entering into heaven as well. And that it'd be interesting to like see a follow-up on that and you know, send a documentary crew to this 21% of people's houses and see what in the world they're 
how they're arriving at that conclusion. <laughs> um, I would think it's probably involves a blindfold and some darts throwing it at the wall. <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of feelings and emotion. I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this data reminded me of um, of Matthew seven that says enter through the through through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it and then a little bit further down in the chapter it says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I think it's easy to think uh, positively, right? We have this, uh, everything is kind of like, oh, I'm a person of faith and like, I believe in God. And then we, we set aside all of the things that come with that, what it means to believe in God, uh, how we're supposed to be obedient, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, the ways we're supposed to think about God and think about ourselves in, in perspective uh, of God and his sovereignty over our lives. So I think it's easy to say, to give lip service to these things. I'm preaching this just as much to myself as anybody else. It's easy to give lip service uh, to our faith, but are we actually believing it? And are we actually putting our money and our action and our thoughts uh, where our mouth is? I think that's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, and, and I think that's, unfortunately, we've seen too much of people talking a big game, but not actually living out their faith. And that might be contributing to why our culture is the way it is, why we've moved into such a rel- relativistic place and why it's bleeding into the church. I think we need we need more, not not to say there's, it's all fire and brimstone and there should be no love, uh, but love without the truth uh, is, is just hypocritical and it's not helpful to anybody. So we need to find that balance of preaching love, but also preaching the, the truth of the gospel. I think I struck that during the um, stuffing discussion that we had earlier. So <laughs> I don't know, Billy. I was going <laughs> to say out of very out of serious note, though, I agree with what you said. I, I also think the other problem right now that we have is that we are also inundated with information. You know, you've got cell phones, tablets, hmm. computers. We've talked so much about this over the years, but it's gotten worse. I mean, if you're a churchgoer and you bring your family to church, let's be honest, you're taking your kids to church for let's let's be generous two hours a week. If you do Wednesday night. Okay, we'll give it, we'll make it four hours and let's throw in a couple of 15 minute Bible studies throughout the week. Maybe you're hitting six hours of gospel infused conversation with your kids, with your family. And let's put that up against TV, friends, influences from cell phones. If you're not cracking down on that, I would imagine it's probably 30 to 40 hours of other content up against five to six hours of church content that is hitting individuals. And so, you know, why wouldn't you start to believe the lie of culture and entertainment and media mm-hmm. over time when that's what's really filling your head and your heart? And so I do think that is a big part of that. It doesn't shock me that evangelicals, the ones most likely in this group, you know, you've got mainline, you've got, you know, evangelical, you've got Catholic, you know, they're the most in tune with sort of the cultural dynamics that are going on. And I think we have a lot of data to prove that. And so it doesn't shock me that they'd be the most likely to sort of stick with that Christian, you know, message what the Bible tells us, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> well, you've been wrong before on things like <laughs> stuffing and, and gravy and turkey. So, true, uh, true. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time. Well, well that's, 
three three wrongs so far on the podcast, and that's just today. Well, they, they don't make a right. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna leave it there on that note because we are heading into Thanksgiving, and uh, we're very excited about that. Hopefully, you are as well. We uh, we hope you have a great, fantastic holiday uh, weekend. And uh, lots of food and fun and family and all the rest. So, uh, God bless. We'll be back here on Monday uh, with more news from a Christian perspective. As always, head on over to CBNNews.com and FaithWire.com for more. God bless. We'll see you next time.